Hey, man. Hey, what's up, dude? Uh, yeah. Weird times we live in. Yeah. I am getting a little bit depressed that everybody seems to be a little bit depressed. <laughs> getting, getting tired of being tired. Yeah, a little bit. Like, <laughs> so I completely understand that this is like an extraordinary situation that none of us has ever experienced. And mm-hmm. I think it makes perfect sense to take this, uh, like we're talking about coronavirus, of course, and COVID-19. Like, makes perfect sense to take this super seriously. And it does take some time to adjust to essentially being quarantine, uh, quarantined at home. And I really miss meeting friends for dinner. I wanted to meet so many people in March. And all of this has fallen into the waters. Yeah. Which is really sad in a way. And I have not yet figured out a way to meet my friends online which is a weird, interesting challenge. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like, for work, everybody adjusted immediately. Like, we had oh, yeah. we had the Zoom call set up and daily stand-ups, and everybody is just video calling whenever they have questions. Like, works perfectly. I can't set this up with my friends for the life of me. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I never thought this would be a problem, but I would really like to talk to my friends. But there's such a barrier to just video call someone. It's crazy. What is the barrier, though? I don't know. Like, we've never done it before, and it <coughs> I think requires... That's why. So, to be fair, with my colleagues, I also know that they're at their desk at the exact time, because we're, like, all working in the same time zone. Um, mm-hmm. Like, plus, minus, one or two. But there's... Uh, yeah, I see when they're in Slack. I know they're online. I can just ping them, and we can just have a call. With my friends, I don't have, like, a status indicator that tells me that they're, like, ready True. and available right now. So, I think that plays into this. As a result, like, the social contact has diminished a little bit. Oh, nothing has changed for me in that realm. Nothing. You didn't have friends before as well, or? <laughs> <laughs> or my friends are online. Oh, that's that's actually <laughs> works perfectly well in this case. Or somewhere else. So it's just... Oh, that's true everything. as well. But yeah, times times is uh, times is crazy. But I think it's it's more... I mean, different people are perceiving it different ways. That's true. I think because there's people who like, I mean, your work is not remote, but it's easier to go remote in in this industry. Oh, mm-hmm. that is definitely true. And yeah, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, me, me too. But there's other industries that are not. So there's yeah. a ton of people worried about this. There's like small business owners that this is like the absolute apocalypse for them. You know, yeah, I've been it's really like trying the, to. The, concept of normality is different across board right now yeah i've really tried to start (laughs) i'm not sure if that makes any sense but a start placing like more orders online and like smaller shops which yeah essentially means i've just been using this as a really good excuse to spend money that otherwise i wouldn't have spent (laughs) i've spent so much freaking money the last uh the last like three weeks because of all this just because i mean like i had to buy more grocery than than normal oh yeah that's true yeah. we stuck up a little bit as well i mean i didn't i didn't go crazy like everybody else on stuff i mean here is is a little different than europe you know over here you you go more towards like the easy part i, I bet you in europe people are like stack stacking up on i don't know like potatoes or like stuff like that over here there were like women with like or moms with like 20 <clears throat> bags of frozen chicken nuggets or 
Yeah. <laughs> or like 30 like packages of like frozen pizza or something like that. And that fits the stereotype. Yeah, but mm, mm, all the meat has been gone though. But I, I've been, uh, I, I just, so I just like stacked up on some, some stuff. Like water is not good here from tab. So just don't water and things like that. So I don't have to uh, look in for this stuff later. So I'm, I'm all good. But the necessary, but it's, it's all good. It's just, it's funny. People are, you see, you see like, <laughs> you see the spectrum when you go outside. There's like people who are, if they had one of those bio suits, they'll be wearing it right now. You know, and then there's like the other there's the other people that were in like beach clothes the other day, like bikinis, like they look looked like they literally just came from the beach. A lot of people are taking it seriously, though, especially cause since here is kind of reaching slowly. But it's uh, it's crazy. People are very, uh, I don't know, on edge right now. Oh, yeah. Of this. I was telling my wife, I was like, I, I can't possibly imagine if you were like in public right now and you choked on water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You, I'm pretty sure people would just start bailing out. That could happen. Yeah, it's weird. And I can totally understand it. Like, it is, since it's it a is, new man. situation that nobody has ever <clears throat> kind of experienced, like, it's no. really weird. Like, it's so freaking weird. You it's can't draw strange. from your history and kind of make sense of this. So. Oh, no, especially, yeah. I mean, there is references, but not, not like this, not with this modern, like, connected world you know yeah. it's, it's it's weird but <clears throat> i was um i i was looking at a somebody took a picture of like very early in the morning of uh, costco and like they're back in stock of everything oh yeah and they're just like and they're just like there is no shortage of anything like the supply chain you know it's 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 perfect it's not yeah that's the there's same no dent in it it's just people are just no, that's the same that I have here as well. Like the distribution centers are all fully stocked, but they can't ship the goods fast enough to the local stores. Mm-hmm. So it looks like everything is sold out in the stores, but like you can't send more trucks essentially. It just doesn't work. What I find really interesting is that this is like a huge experiment for remote work and home office. And I'm really curious to see what the long-term impact of this will be. Like, especially, I'm scared about that. So especially this will like, continue like this will not be done in like a week or two like we will probably have to work from home for like a few weeks and i'm Mm -hmm. really curious to see how many people will start to like working from home and not want to go back there are also a few one of which we know personally that hates working from home and can't wait to go back to the office and i really feel for them but i can also very well imagine that there are people who are like hey i'm actually suddenly super productive because nobody interrupts me or Oh, I noticed I can do all my work from home and save like two hours of commuting each day. And yeah, exactly. I'm it's curious what that will do to our economy in like the long run. As somebody who's kind of interested in remote work, uh, I find that highly uh, exciting. Yeah, I think uh, in the tech world, uh, more more popular than than the virus right now is DHH. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> It's actually, so one of the things that I really um, like to see right now, or something that makes me feel good is to see that there are companies that really um, show some like social responsibility and really kind of step up their game to try to help out where they can. And I feel you like- You also have the crappy ones. That is true, that, but- That came to light. That Yeah, it's also like a very good uh, filter to figure out who's good and who's bad. 
Yeah. But I think like what Basecamp has done last week has been really nice. Like they made their tool free for first responders and everybody kind of fighting the uh, pandemic. Yeah. They, for a very short period of time, had their book remote work uh, for free. Like you yeah. could buy it and then refund um, the price. I saw that. Which I saw that. That was, that was really nice. Essentially, or apparently bombarded their system and they had to shut it down because they would have never been able to catch up with <laughs> with it. <laughs> yeah. But it's like these small like gestures that I think are really nice. Headspace made part of their app free for people to meditate and try to protect their sanity. Uh, there's, I forgot what one it was, but I read about like a pharma or like a cosmetics company in the US, I think, mm-hmm. that stopped their production to just focus on hand sanitizers for the time being. Oh, wow. That's really nice. I saw a post of an Irish gin distillery that stopped producing gin to produce hand sanitizer as well. Because it's essentially just alcohol. So they were like, we can do this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they're like, yeah, giving this stuff to like hospitals for um, essentially, yeah, not sure if it's for free or for like their operate, like producing costs or something like not for profit. And I think this is really cool to see that there are these companies that actually showed a social responsibility and it makes me a little bit sad that we don't have a company yet that could do this because i, feel I know like this is like such a motivating factor for me to like imagine having the economic power to actually impact change right now like That's i feel so heartbroken for people who fear um, about their job right now or their financial situation or uh we have this really nice cafe here for example that of course had to close down now and in a way i would really like to support them but then yeah there are very little ways to do that's true. also because they don't sell gift cards or stuff like that that you could just buy to get the money essentially but this is where like when i see those posts i'm like yeah this is what i want to do as well or would really like to have yeah but also i was thinking with all of this as well kind of in the same train of thought is that there's with this just arises so many opportunities to start something the spirit of helping you know yeah i mean there's so much there's so there's so much power that that we that we have as developers i think especially oh, yeah, most definitely. This, yeah that we literally could do anything it's just limited by our like just creativity and productivity it's a matter of whether we want to or not there's so many things that you can do to to actually help and like oh with all of this you've seen like more than ever the power of tech as well like you ever did you see that that those people in in that hospital in italy that was 3d printing the oh yeah the, 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 yeah that was crazy yeah that's so cool that was perfect they're, they're apparently now being threatened to get sued by the way yeah I, that crappy company that's how i heard about them in the article that says that they're yeah, th- threatened to be sued for like patent infringement or shit like that. That's BS, man. Yeah. But yeah, you can see like all this uh, cool stuff that is being done. That is definitely true. To maybe shift the conversation to some lighter topics. Yeah. How is your week? That'd be nice. Sir, anything uh, interesting you want to share? Nah, just um, we're uh, launching Taskful. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, 3.0 on tuesday oh nice ne- yeah next week how are you feeling confident that it will work or 
Oh yeah, for sure. It's looking beautiful. It's gonna. It's really nice. Uh, we got everything in place, and uh, obviously the rewrite into Elixir is not gonna make it in for the for the release. But I'm definitely riding on that, and for sure. Uh, remember, I uh, as soon as we had our conversation last time, yeah, I went ahead and started looking for all those uh, tips that you that you gave me, and yeah, there was definitely that there was that method in in Ecto that was like created not exists, so was using that a lot. And that did but, work. Yeah, definitely. But all of this, like, <laughs> all of this, and with the way that phoenix works just made me spiral down into the uh domain driven design rabbit hole oh yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was not fun that was not fun because you didn't because... make progress or because you don't like domain driven design like what part made it not fun no just the um like there, there's not like one way like one correct way of doing it i think i just have to like completely destroy that from my mind from just from rails because uh so the 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 thing that threw me off was that um the course that i was telling you about that we've talked about in the past uh the elixir programmers one. yeah went through that he doesn't go into ecto hmm. he actually sees phoenix dave thomas does not believe that you should put ecto in your phoenix application interesting he he thinks that that's that's completely separate that you're just mashing two things together that phoenix is a great client that is is really good for you to handle like you know your api and and, and stuff like that but all your your database layers should be in a separate separate like as a separate dependency i guess so he doesn't go into any of that right now when i was trying to go into actual phoenix with this um, I was like, okay, I need another course, you know, uh, kind of to, to check this out. And there's this Udemy course by Steven or something. The most, it's like one of the most popular courses in, uh, in Udemy for, for, for Elixir. It's, uh, Steven Ryder. There we go. It's like the complete Elixir in Phoenix. What's it called? Bootcamp. And I was going through that and I was feeling fairly confident because I'm like, okay, this looks exactly like Rails. Like it has your controllers, your views and your models. So then I started looking into that, but then uh, obviously when when I created the the new Phoenix app recently uh, to do the rewrite of Taskful, I was like, wait a minute, where is the models folder? I was like, do I have to create it myself? And sure enough, there was a like last like bonus or whatever thing section in that course that was saying like new changes from Phoenix three point one uh, from starting three point three. And I looked at it and they're like, they start saying the changes and then they're like, yeah, there's no more models. Like you, that's not the way that you're supposed to think about this. This is like, they're looking at it more in a domain driven design kind of thing or contexts, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, now I have to see what this is. It can't be that hard, right? It's gotta be kind of the same thing. And then I started looking at the philosophy of it and I'm like, darn it. Yeah. It's definitely complicated. It is definitely its own paradigm. Yeah, it is. And you have to like think about a whole bunch of stuff, like what goes in here. Like, is is this, I don't want to say model now. <laughs> is this like resource, right? Or whatever yeah. is this, is this, I don't know, like schema now, like intertwined with this other one. So like, do they go together? No, but in this section, no, you know, so like, do I put them apart? And there's not really like, I don't see how this could ever be. Like if we started the same app together, 
and we were doing this, like you would have one idea and I would have a completely different idea or just slightly different, but it would be different and they could both be right, you know, or one could be wrong and one could be right. And there's like multiple ways of grouping these together that I guess that's what like threw me off that I was trying to look at. Like, I need to make this perfect. But then I started talking to um, Pablo again. Uh, shout out to Pablo. Shout out to Pablo. He started explaining that, yeah, you don't have to go that deep into it. It's just a matter of kind of like what makes sense uh, as, as to like what you understand it. But then I was like, okay, yeah, I first need to understand it. But it turned out it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I found a couple articles as well. And uh, it, it's not that bad. And, and since, since it's not really that deeply coupled into your, your app, right? Because you're managing all this via repos and, and it's all pretty pretty standard stuff. Like you, you all have just ease to transfer it easily into another framework or even no framework if you wanted to. Like it's not that bad. It's really easy to do that. So at any time you could literally just refactor it as well. It's no problem. And do you feel that following this paradigm actually helps you reason about the domain better? Like is it actually improving the code that you write or... Do you feel yeah, that it just so. adds friction compared to Rails, for example? Mm, well, it has its like up, it has its differences for sure, but it, it's definitely made me reason about the code in a more like real life manner, if that makes sense. Mm. Like I'm looking things into like their own little department or like grouping things together, like based on what relations they have. So in that sense, it it, it has helped me. And then the other question that is interesting to me is like using the domain driven design now to design the back end how does that actually work with the legacy that is already in the app like can you essentially migrate the data model easily and big quotation marks from the current version to the new version or well i think in terms of logic is gonna is gonna be a little difficult because there's obviously a lot of like mashing and joining there in the uh, like old app that i need to figure out and based on that does it go together or not so i think as of right now i'm saying no but i think it i think i will start seeing this as i start messing around with uh with the uh with the actual api okay i'm curious to see how that goes because yeah i could imagine yeah. that is actually quite painful and difficult to yeah try to map the two yeah but that's that's where we are now and hopefully hopefully everything will co come out good it's uh we're doing uh some nice like advertisements and marketing around this and what has helped in the previous company where i worked when we had to or the idea was to essentially try to get rid of our monolith that had a lot of tech depth and was really hard to yeah kind of further develop. One thing that the team did that was pretty cool and worked quite well is to move things over one by one by essentially having two like both systems run at the same time, like at the monolith and then you had uh, the new service. Mm -hmm. And then in the beginning, the service just had an API endpoint to read uh, like one particular model. Huh. But the front end was writing all writes would still go to the legacy system. And then at like they slowly moved like all the read functionality over to like the new service and then started adding like all the write functionality uh, one by one. But essentially for a long time kept both systems running and that allowed them to iterate pretty quickly with like pretty low risk and ensure that you didn't have to rewrite both the back end and the front end at the same time to have like the new API. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have to build like taskful 4.0 just to kind of 
migrate from one backend to the other. And in this case, I think it was a little bit complicated because there were also then in the end message queues in between to sync the data in both systems. And they kind of migrated the whole database over as well. Like they didn't talk to the same database. Um, yeah. That created like some friction, but overall it was, I think, way less risky than trying to rewrite everything and then do one big migration from like one system to the other because you could test it in like very small steps and build it up, scale it out. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. That's definitely not a bad idea. But uh, it, it, it will be different though in the, I mean, yeah, you could still do it, but this is going to be GraphQL API, you know, and the other one is a RESTful API. Yeah, I would still... Um, you don't have to do it like the same way, but it might still be interesting to fi- like think about ways how you could try to de-risk it by either like mocking, po- like, I don't know if you can, how that could work, but figuring out if there's a way that you can like slowly move stuff over one by one instead of doing like one massive rewrite and then launch. Yeah, that's usually how, how it's advised to do, right? Yeah. yeah. I might I might actually do that, start off with like some easy things just to see it run. I think that'll that'll be a good idea. Yeah, that's a great idea, actually. Good, but yeah, so excited about that. Uh, we'll be we excited to see how how the responses are. Yeah, sounds quite nice. What about you? Uh, how's the work? How's the uh, work from home life now? Uh, work from home, slowly adjusting to it. Still a little bit weird. Can't really say much more. Um, still a little bit weird. I think is the best summary of it. I've spent a little bit of time trying to or reflecting a little bit on the goals that I set at the beginning of the year for what I want to mm-hmm. achieve, especially like in Q1, because in two weeks, Q1 will be over. And that is an interesting and also a little bit threatening thought. I think it in January, we had in like our first episode had like this goal setting session. And we yeah. definitely have to revisit this uh, in two weeks when the quarter flips over and- Oh, please no. Do one for like, <laughs> ref- like retro on Q1 and then goals for Q2. Yeah. But, yeah, personal goals are actually coming along quite nicely, but the work on like my side project has not. There have been quite a few weeks where I didn't get anything done and I'm definitely not hitting the goal that I wanted to hit. But in positive news, I spent, especially last weekend and yesterday, like I worked till late at night um, on my Formula One library and that has been that so much fun. <clears throat> yeah yeah so i built like an initial version that can parse uh the packets that are sent by f1 2019 like the video game yeah. and i always had the goal to also add support for f1 2018 partially mm-hmm. because at the time that i was starting f1 2018 was the only game i actually owned myself coincidentally this weekend there was a sale for f1 2019 so i picked it up of for a few bucks was. So of course it was. very nice. I see that as a sign. And so I had like the API for 2019 actually implemented mostly. But when I finished it, I noticed that like the ergonomics weren't really great. And picturing how it would look when I added 2018 to the mix, it would have just become really messy. Because essentially I had like two different, like for each of the games, I had their own like data types and you would have to essentially have like an insanely long if statement as a client that says like for each different game and then for each packet what you want to do with each like it would have been just an enormous switch statement essentially wait you're uh, you're doing graphql right so in this case it's just pure rust because i want to add it as a rust dependency to my project that then does graphql 
Yeah, that's what you're doing. Okay. Yeah, so you haven't started on that though yet, right? I yeah, yes and no. Like I've written most part of the core logic, but since I don't have a client library for any of the games yet, that's kind of on hold. So mm-hmm. uh, yesterday I started refactoring the F1 library to have better ergonomics and kind of prepare it for adding uh, F1 2018. And it's mm-hmm. just a lot of fun to work with Rust, I have to say, and like read or slowly, I feel like I'm slowly getting a hang of how the type system works, how to get the most out of like all the structs and Rust uh, enums and all of these like types that you have or these building blocks that you have in Rust. Mm-hmm. And I started reading the Rust API guidelines that you are supposed to follow when you release <laughs> your own library. And that's actually like, it's a super long list and got the documentation is great, but it's also a super long list. And it has been a really interesting learning experience to go through this and see what am I doing differently and where does it make sense and where should I follow the rules? And yeah, so that's actually coming along quite nicely. You still loving Rust? Still loving <laughs> Rust. Um, so I just saw a tweet today that Apple is hiring Rust developers in Seattle and in Oregon, I think. Apple? Apple. For what? Storage and networking, I think. So, yeah. And uh, Dropbox released an article this week, I think, how they rebuilt their sync engine, like the part that actually uploads and downloads your files, how mm-hmm. they rewrote that in Rust and how it is awesome now. Really? And so the first article, to be fair, was mostly the reasoning, like their argument why they had to do it. And it's super insightful to read their reasoning, how they thought about the risks that they had and how they um, tried to yeah, mitigate them. Yeah. And then there will be more posts that go into like more technical details. But it's apparently Rust worked su- like super well for them. So that's quite nice. The thing that has me super excited this week, and this circles back a little bit to the discussion from the beginning about Corona, and it's both a sad story and a happy story, is that as a consequence of Corona, all of these like sport events are canceled. And it also hits motorsport pretty hard because like on Sunday, Formula One was supposed to start and the race got canceled. NASCAR, I think, canceled all their races till May and like all of these big events have been dropped yeah every everything's getting canceled right but what is super interesting about this is that you now have essentially a whole racing community move to sim racing when the f1 race got canceled a youtube channel immediately organized a virtual race at like the same time which actually had like some... the game to to like that they, they were going to be uh racing in the game yeah so they so they actually didn't drive like a formula one game but something like in the lines of formula one and they didn't be like it wasn't on the same track like they didn't just virtualize the event Mm -hmm. but they invited actual like racing drivers and pro sim racers to race together for like two hours Mm -hmm. and the race was like packed with like super big names like you had max verstappen in there more people that i'm sure nobody of our audience knows but that are actually like pretty big names in motorsports Mm-hmm. And like yet, I would say like eight real world drivers that immediately um, joined this, and then eight others. And what really blew me away is that when they started the stream, within like fifteen minutes, you had like fifty thousand people tuning in. That's crazy. And for sim racing, like I checked, like I started sim racing like seriously in two thousand fifteen, and at the time, you would have been happy if you had like a thousand people watching essentially. And 
they're all of these so a you have like ollie or a lot of pro sim uh, pro not sim racers a lot of pro drivers and like real life now advertising for sim racing and being like hey dudes if you don't have a sim setup like this is the point in time to do it because who knows when we get in a car again mm-hmm. so they're hyping it up and then <clears throat> there are also these official organizations that are thinking about how they can essentially provide content over the next few weeks and nascar is actually setting up an invitational series for all their pro drivers and mm-hmm. You have like super interesting names that are joining this and Fox might be broadcasting it on Sunday. <laughs> like it's to me as somebody who has followed the scene for a while and has always thought it's super interesting. It's crazy how much momentum it's been picking up in like the last three weeks, essentially, because suddenly everybody is at home with a lot of time. And yeah. for whatever reason, this is actually a sport that can be played at home pretty well. I, I feel like this is going to open up all these opportunities that this just i feel like all of this is gonna have some permanent effects yeah <clears throat> like i said for example as well uh i i had never given it some thought but so universal is obviously like they they can't they need to like generate money and they're coming out with movies and things like that like w- w- what are you gonna do yeah you know apparently what they're talking about doing is the movie theater movies right that you would usually go out yeah. um, and, and watch only in the movie theater until they come out, they're going to be creating a service that you can actually rent movie theater yeah. uh, movies, you know, like new released movies for $20. It kind of makes sense because otherwise they would never be seen until because right like... now. Yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah, it, it makes sense. But I'm just thinking, I'm like, wow, like <laughs> this kind of reminds me of, I mean, there will always be some sort of market for for cinemas, but I feel like they, it's just something that is just going to keep dying and dying, especially now with this, because you don't actually need to go to the cinema to watch a movie. Like, you could offer these kinds of services. The only reason why that's good, because you can sell singular tickets, right? Like, unit tickets. But if you create a model where you're just... Because, like, if it's $20 and you're, you're a family, right, and you, you, you just... You, pay $20 to watch a movie between like, I don't know, you gather up your family and your friends. Like, Oh, but you can't gather up your family and your friends right now. No, right now not, but that, but whatever is whoever you have at home, you know? And like, this is something that can just continue on. And like things like this would just continue to pop up because they need to find solutions for, for to keep running their businesses. And it's just going to open the eyes of other things or, or room for other stuff that will be opportunities for some, and the death of others so yeah there's probably a huge wave of businesses that will sadly go out of business but i I'm, another wave that will just i think another will just take its place almost definitely and i could also imagine that in the end this will actually turn out pretty well for businesses that we didn't actually value that much until now yeah, yeah. because suddenly people realize what they are missing when they are stuck at home for so long so it could also be yeah. that cinemas will actually boom in the second half of the year or so because everybody's like, I can't believe I've not seen a movie that... Like, to be fair, like, the Netflix catalog that we have here in the Netherlands, I'm not the biggest fan. Like, it's starting to get a little bit boring. So mm. it might be nice to, when we're out of our home isolation and allowed to roam the streets again freely to actually go to the cinema. I just hope this doesn't cause, like, um, pushes to be more digital in the wrong ways or gives us scared of other things like 
I can totally see a scenario where after this, people will still be a little susceptible and everyone's going to become Sweden now where you just <laughs> don't shake hands and don't say hello. <laughs> you don't say hello. You don't shake hands anymore. You don't go near people. You don't say hi to your neighbor. You like, oh, I have to check in with the Swedish friend if that's her impression as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm half Swedish, so and I've experienced that culture. So I'm just hoping that it doesn't become like that and people are just more at home in their cell phones and their computers yeah. i don't actually think so personally i think one thing that's <laughs> really like at least makes me hopeful on this is that we've seen a lot of discussion around community and how all of these measures are essentially necessary to protect our own communities and i can't remember the last time when there has been so much focus on local communities in yeah whatever shape or form like all yeah. of this um i think makes at least for me, um, like puts really the, the community in the focus. And oh, yeah, suddenly I, like I feel like way more connected to, to my neighbors, even though I don't see them actually. Like we only see each other across the street behind the windows, but you suddenly know like why you're uh, staying inside and mm-hmm. this kind of thing. So it could also imagine that we come out of this actually stronger than we think. Hope so. Yeah. Pray so. It's making what? me really, like it's really... I, I really want to build this sim racing thing now that oh, you're we've super been... excited yeah yeah I, like I can totally imagine now with all this and the new information and then what you've been seeing the responses yeah like it's so crazy how this market has or like the scene has developed in general and it's so fun to be part of and spending more time in the forums and uh, essentially now where i have to understand the apis myself going through the forum threads and reading all the questions that people have and how lost they are some like how lost they are sometimes has mm-hmm. been really motivating and uh, it's really i really want to kind of tackle that problem and make it easier in site news um and i don't know if you have a strong opinion on this i know at least one person who has a strong opinion on this <laughs> i actually installed notion again on my machine too yeah i use i use it from time to time for sure <clears throat> like weekly i'm so i'm still looking for like the perfect tool for like note taking that works well with my kind of process and brain and ah uh, i'm i'm not sure but it's installed again so i actually i and this is maybe i'm curious if you have an, an opinion on this but so i'm working on the f1 library Mm-hmm. And I plan to have this done by the end of the month. Like, that's my target, to have this released as, like, a version, I don't know, 0.1. <laughs> yeah. I want to say, like, 1.0, but I don't actually have tested it that well, so maybe not a 1.0, but, like, have a first public release out. Mm-hmm. And I would also like to share that with the community, ideally. Yeah, But awesome. I also want to have, or this is, like, my question is, I think it would be great to have a website online when I launch the library where people essentially have a landing page or something and you can download it and they're like the links to the documentation and wherever you need to go with a small hint that this is part of a bigger project mm-hmm. and then have a landing page that explains like what this bigger project is like the graphql api that we talk about like link people mm-hmm. there and say hey like you have the f1 library now but wait a little bit and you get like this much cooler tool and then I'm not sure. Maybe have a way for them to like subscribe to a newsletter so that I can tell them when it's coming or something like this. Yeah, I actually think you should build the actual one. And in the actual one, um, have, I don't know, 
some like supported like libraries or or apis or games wherever yeah. like the f1 that you have now like have like a bulleted one or or some sort of like listing of the ones that you're supposed to have and obviously for the first time you'll just have the first one and then you can you can explain a little bit on this like huge line just like just so you can you can share that one original one where that's where people should go all the time yeah you know oh, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't start with you shouldn't start with the f1 i think you should start with the main one where everything is supposed to be and in there you can already put for the newsletter to say as you know as this comes out yeah like we'll let you know like sign up um in the meantime like check the one that uh that we have right now which is like the f1 and then you'll have like the link to the f1 right there which would be like in a list style kind yeah or just saying like available right now and then you just have that one and then once you click that you have the documentation to that right interesting i think i think that's what you should do because then you'll have the user or whoever is interested yeah. in this to know that that's where they're supposed to go always you know yeah instead of going to the f1 first and then having like a secondary scene the main one is the secondary i would have you see the main one the primary yeah i would have definitely set it up as a tree where the f1 uh like the page for the f1 would have been a sub page of like this project so mm -hmm. have like project.com slash f1 for example mm -hmm. um to make it clear that this is part of like yeah. the whole thing yeah uh, i think that's how it should be yeah i'll have to give it some thought i'm a little bit afraid that like I will add more and more stuff to the like pre-release checklist that I want to get done that will take mm -hmm. more and more time so that I will never actually release. You definitely should. Sorry to cut you off. You definitely should, should do the, uh, the, the email thing though, the, the list to see who's interested in it. I yeah. think that would give you a nice overview to see who's interested in it and know how many people are interested in it to get like a newsletter yeah. or, or, or like an alert thing. Right. To be clear that you're not going to be spamming them, but you're just going to be updating them as they come out. Yeah. And and then in that way, I think you'll have a really good understanding of uh, your users kind of or the, 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 the scope of it. Yeah, hopefully. Um, That's why I think that the, the good idea would be to have this main page where you, you first point to, where you have the link to the F1 one. But in that page, you'll have like a big banner there or something will just like give the people option to sign up to this newsletter yeah i have a few ideas of what would be really nice to do but i'm also afraid that setting this up will take another month or so um oh like setting the landing page. yeah and <laughs> yeah we can probably talk about like publicly maybe in the next episode i want to have to like i want to think about a little bit more myself before i kind of share too much but yeah. i do have some ideas how i would like to like have the whole like public uh, presence of this be structured and now it's yeah i find it's like a, a difficult question to figure out like how much should i just do because yeah as long as there's no product there's also no purpose in advertising for anything or does it make sense to actually start thinking now about how like this is what we always come back to or in our own conversations not so often on the podcast i think but of course the ultimate goal for both of us is to eventually have our own businesses and this doesn't yet have the potential to do that i think um like what i'm building now i can't really sell mm -hmm. because it's a library mm -hmm. but i also think it's an interesting opportunity for some learning for example how to like set up like a compiling landing page or maybe how to start collecting email addresses and build like a, a newsletter or interest list or engage the community how to do like the PR side of the whole business, mm -hmm. for example. I think they're like interesting things to learn in there. That definitely. And yeah, that's a good way to think about it. 
yeah this is where i'm torn a little bit between like how much time i should spend on like the let's call like business side of the thing and then how much on like the coding side and where to find like the right balance so that i actually get something delivered while also making sure that there's like a really exciting like like building excitement essentially for the project um, as a whole there will definitely maybe not in the next episode but probably in the one after we can hopefully celebrate the finishing the f1 library and then take it from there yeah well that will be the first step like i have to say like now working on the f1 library and like figuring out the data structure that i need just for like the f1 game is super Mm -hmm. helpful to then figure out um how to approach the data model in the um graphql api yeah i think that's my update that's great i'm excited to see where uh I'm excited and curious to see everything. Oh, me too. Oh, I have so many dreams and I'm so interested to see if I will be able to actually uh, make them happen or not. Yeah. Yeah, cool, man. Should we uh, cut it here? Yeah, let's do that. We briefly, as like a small teaser to our loyal audience of three, I think. (laughs) Two and a half. two (laughs) Two and a half. We might try a slightly different format next week. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Then take care, man. Yeah, till next time. Yeah. See ya. Peace.